This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. What up? This is Myron, and you are listening to the Rye Bread and Mustard, a Mariners podcast. The alternative, underground, back alley, underbelly, down on the docks, on the other side of the tracks, speakeasy, dive bar style podcast of and about and surrounding your Seattle Mariners right here on Odyssey Sports, on the Odyssey app, or wherever else you're getting that podcast action from. It doesn't matter. As long as you're listening, downloading, subscribing, I'm down with it, especially if you're on Spotify or, uh, let's just say, Apple Podcast. Uh, Say hello, you know, by giving us a rating or leaving us a review. You know, we like those five-star reviews. You know, we like five-tool baseball players, but you know what? We like more than that, those five-star reviews. So if you feel so inclined, go ahead and give us that five-star review. Listen, today's episode, we do have a special guest by the name of Steve Miggs. You might know him from BJ and Miggs on KISW The Rock, their morning show. They're on there every day, well, Monday through Friday, 5 to 10 a.m. He's also the host of Megacast that you can listen to right here on Odyssey. You can also listen to BJ and Miggs also here on the Odyssey app if you're not up in Seattle. But listen, it was a really fun conversation. You know, we talked to Miggs about how he got his start in radio, got a little bit of a, some BTST, BTST, meaning behind the scenes tea from way back, way back when he worked on the end and he was around the MTV's Real World Seattle. Remember that one? If you're my age, you do. If you are younger, sorry. We'll explain what what it is. Uh, We're also going to talk about uh, (laughs) some funny uh, tactics that didn't really work when they tried to interview uh, Ichiro. We'll also talk about how he warmed up to Jay Buhner by, you know, giving him free CDs. Uh, And yeah, him just his... uh, story of falling in love with the Mariners and of course with Bowie the Kraken mascot but uh, towards the end of this episode we're not talking a lot of baseball we're talking about his wrestling career that's right he is also a professional wrestler if you did not know that he actually got to wrestle on AEW um, when they were down in Portland he tells the story of how that came about and explains what it's like to be in the ring with an actual you know former WWE world champion in front of thousands of people. Again, this is a lot of, uh, you know, personal stories, baseball stories, some fun behind the scenes, you know, radio station stories, and of course, wrestling. You know, the baseball path or the baseball diamond is just a is just a big old wrestling ring without any ropes if you think about it so they kind of go hand in hand no i know the last episode (laughs) i talked about wrestling because i was at wrestlemania and now you're like there's more wrestling myron it's like listen i'm weaning off of it okay but if you're ready to hear some fun shit stick around we got steve miggs and it's coming up right after this Get ready to play hardball in the kingdom. Take me to the ball game. I want to see the ants. The Mariners are playing hardball. Did it again and again and again. Did it again. Princess Tours, the vacation company, brings you the best show in baseball when the San Diego Chicken plays hardball with the Seattle Mariners and the Baltimore Orioles tonight in the kingdom. All right, we are here. Uh, really excited today. Got a special guest. Like I've told you, we're going to have some of these special guest episodes today. We got Steve Miggs from BJ and Miggs on 99.9 KISW yes. in Seattle or right here on the Odyssey app. That was a plug for the Odyssey app. Or wherever <laughs> else you, podcast. you can get these right, Steve. You can download these podcasts even if you're not in Seattle or you don't get up at yep. 5 to 10 in the morning. 
the beauty of the internet now. You can hear anything anywhere. The beauty and also, I think, like the downfall in a sense. Like you can't be like, oh, no one's ever going to hear that. And it lives forever. <laughs> yeah. And you also might know, Steve, from the mega cast. I'm a subscriber. It's a great, great podcast. Uh, love that show. You're also a drummer. And yes. most importantly, you're a pro wrestler. And <laughs> so like I, we got put together here by our friend CJ who might uh, join us. He's got one of those, those important jobs where you got those yeah. important meetings, but he's, he's going to jump in here in a little bit. But uh, yeah, I feel like our, my, our friends just put us together to talk here today. It feels kind of, feels like that daily kind of feel. We just kind of chatted here before we started recording. Yeah. Had the appetizers. Yes. Yes. Um, but, you know, for some of the listeners, uh, you know, that maybe aren't in Seattle and stuff, uh, let's just talk a bit about, like, you know, your background in radio and your journey and what's going on with you. Um, I guess to go all the way back, I, I've been a fan of radio my entire life. Uh, that's, you know, grew up listening to, like, Howard Stern and, and the world of sports. I grew up in New York, so uh, I was a big fan of WFAN, which is, a, I think it's now an Odyssey station. They've bounced around from everywhere, but uh, there was a guy, Steve Summers, who used to, I think he recently just retired, but he would do the overnight show. And it was like my buddies, all of us in high school, that was like our, we were nerds. We were just dorks. We love sports. We love talking hockey. We love talking anything, but mainly hockey. But like, it was like bragging rights. If you could get on the air, not now knowing how radio is like getting on the air in the overnights, not as hard as you think. But when you're a teenager, <laughs> you're thinking like, this is the hardest thing ever. And when you got through, you go into school the next day, like, did you hear me on the radio? Talk about the devils. And so I kind of got my love for oh, wow, this is like exhilarating. Like that that moment when you know you're on the air and you hear that, like that weird like static sound that they would yeah. put you through and you knew like, okay, I'm, I'm live on the air. This is like, there's no net. Uh, and I just, I fell in love with that. And I mean, I already loved listening to like guys like Howard and other radio shows where I was like, I always found, a lot of people loved Howard because back when I was growing up, it was more about the, like the TNA type stuff. Like the, yeah. that was more of his style. Now he's become this incredible interviewer that doesn't rely on that kind of stuff. He, I mean, obviously still says stuff that maybe pushes buttons, but back then that was his show was being real shocking. And what I found fascinating was the stuff about the people behind the scenes, whenever he would give a hard time to his producers or his engineer and like talk about the inside rate. I was like, that is some fascinating stuff. And so that was always a goal and a dream. One day I could be on the radio did college radio in college, upstate New York, uh, decided on a whim, I'm going to move to Seattle just to see what it's like. I was enamored with the Seattle music scene, uh, just the, 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 the culture of Seattle. I just wanted to know what it was like. I was like, instead of just going there as a, a vacation, I'm going to see if I can live there. And if I don't like it, I'll move back home. Like, it's not the end of the world. I'm 20-something. I've got no responsibilities. I have no bills. Um, but what I did have is no safety net by going to Seattle because I wasn't living at home. And I didn't have my parents. They, they couldn't provide for me. They couldn't afford to put me up in Seattle. So it was kind of like one of those like poop or get off the pot type of things where it's like, you know, I'm there and it's up to me to succeed. And if I don't, I'm homeless and I have to move back home with my tail between my legs. So that kind of forced me to really grind it out. And I mean, I took whatever radio job I could get. And honestly, my first radio job was working on an AM radio station that was a Spanish radio station. Everyone spoke Spanish, the DJs, the music. I don't speak Spanish. So I'm running the board for them and like just waiting for them to point at me or say una pausa and I would hit. But the beauty was I was in a radio station. I was getting experience in a major market. And when they were not there and I would work sometimes until like one in the morning, like from 8 p.m. on, I'm running like pre-recorded crap. I could just mess around in one of the production rooms and, and, and work on a demo tape and work on this and work on that. So and, and that, got, that got my foot in the door in Seattle. And then the rest was kind of history. I like, took a producing job at the end, the alt-rock station, yeah. uh, worked my way on the air, worked my way to becoming a co-host. Then eventually we left there to try a different uh, station in town that was a new format, like an alternative rock competitor that failed miserably. We got fired. What was the name of that one? The K-Rock. K oh, the K oh, K Rock. Yeah, try to piggyback on the LA K-Rock. And it was more of like a classic alternative rock focused more on like the cure depeche mode nirvana allison chains right. uh and it was a great station it just they did no marketing so it was like you build a brand new state and i i know that sounds like an excuse and you know at the end of the day we didn't do well ratings all of us on the station so excuses or not it, it failed but you know when you have a brand new station and you don't market it how are people supposed to find out about it so 
it, it never took off. And after a year, they just pulled the plug and then it became Jack, which is still now to this day, which is kind of <laughs> like throw everything against the wall and see what sticks. Like it's just music for everybody. And, it, and it's a great station, but that's what we ended up getting fired for was to become one of those Jack stations. And then they got hired have, at KSW. Yeah. They have that artificial intelligence D, uh, <laughs> DJ over there. Don't they? They, they've been doing that before we even had artificial intelligence. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So then got hired at KSW and almost had to start over again. Like I got hired to be a producer, was not hired to be on the air, but I, I had, I, it's weird. I'm like the most strange, cocky person in a sense. Like I'm very insecure, self-deprecating, massive anxiety. But I also, there is underneath all that, I do have faith and belief that if I bust my ass, I will succeed. Uh, so it's like this weird struggle that I have where I'm like, I, I, I don't understand why I'm succeeding, but I know if I try hard enough and I, I, I put my, I, I stay focused, I will. And, and fortunately that's worked out for me. So maybe that's what's given me this blind hope for the last 20 years. Uh, but I mean, it's been a, I, I just knew, give me a foot in the door. Eventually I'll make my way on the air and then eventually became the co-host of the BJ and Mig show. And the rest has kind of been history, but so long story to, to where I'm at, but that's like the shortest version of the past 20 years of my life that I can give. And then here I am still doing it, working in this industry that I love so much, uh, getting to talk on the radio and entertain people while they're stuck in traffic. Yeah. That's, I mean, sustainability i know the mariners talk about sustainability uh i mean your 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 show's been on for a you know i know that you guys renewed this a few years ago right yep. and you guys have just been there and a staple and you're on this staple of a station that's been there for over 50 years i mean yeah. i i grew up in seattle um with mm -hmm. Ballard high school and uh i mean i remember kisw rock before i was even into rock you know and yeah. as you know, I was in that age group of like the, when the alternative big Seattle uh, music scene hit. It's a little too young. Like I was a little, I was a yeah. K. I, I was, I'll admit it. I was a KUBE, Eric Powers. Oh yeah, Shelly I saw Eric. I saw Eric in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> he works at our, our sister station, Hot. Now when I go home, it, you know, if I'm not listening to sports radio, it's KSW or it's uh, the end. But KSW Rock. One thing I do really remember about them was their hydro plane. Hydro plane. Yeah. Miss Rock. Miss Rock. And we yeah. brought it back for a few years. I, I, a yeah. couple years ago, it was back up and running. And it was pretty cool to see that kind of history come back. It's funny you mentioned the end because when I first got the job at the end, you know, I was a fan of the music scene. So getting to work at the station that helped break some of those bands was just like, whoa, this is crazy. I'm getting to be there. And right after I started, that's when the real world started. Uh, if you remember, yeah. I mean, for anyone in their like late 30s and on, you probably remember when the real world came to Seattle. And I'm sure it's out there on social media, but their job, because they would make every every cast would have a job to do as a team. Their job was to work at a radio station. And it was our station. I'm like, I'm in my 20s. I'm a fan of the real world. I just got my dream job working at the end. And now we have a big company meeting uh, literally months after I took the job to say, hey, the real world's going to work here, too. And I was just like. The real world was huge back then. I mean, now, you know, that was a huge, huge back then and yes i do there was the slap heard around the world on on that season down on the waterfront yeah i remember being uh running hanging out with the guy steven that the, was the guy who did the slap that night and it was i mean the the, the I, if anyone's seen it that was a big part of the show because like this woman on the show was kind of pushing his buttons for a while and he snapped and he slapped her and it was just like dude you can't do that obviously Irene, uh, to... right Irene. I... Yeah. yeah and all of them were great like honestly like I, I, a lot of people like they, they obviously there it's a reality show that's not so real at times but I remember coming here to the station and he was at the station in the mail room in tears and I remember walking in there and I had a pretty good he was one of the people I was like knew better than most i feel i was like hey dude what's going on and he, he explained everything and it was just like holy crap dude like you're and it wasn't like meant as a joke but i'm like you're now gonna be that guy you're that like yeah. you became that guy you went from being not that guy to like in a moment of a terrible decision like now you'll forever be the guy that did the slot yeah and and 
you know, and if that happened, you, you are remember that. And if it happened now, it'd even be a billion times. It would. Yeah. So man, that, that, that you just opened Pandora's box of that, uh, <laughs> that, that real world. Um, yeah. So you were saying you're from New York. So how how has that as a sports fan, since you know this is a Mariners podcast, we've eventually yeah. gotta get some Mariners stuff. How does that did you who did you grow up, first of all? Who'd you grow up? Uh, what were your sports teams growing up? So my sports story is gonna be the dumbest story of a child who was so narcissistic that he picked his favorite teams based on if they had a star player named Steve. So ah. baseball was my first passion. And I was a huge Dodgers fan because of Steve Garvey. And then he got traded or went to the Padres, became a huge Padres fan because of Steve Garvey. I mean, I always loved the Yankees. I didn't mind the Mets either. Like, obviously, like my grandpa loved the Yankees, so I'd watch the Yankees with him. Uh, and then I, I started becoming a fan of the Mariners because I was a huge Pearl Jam and Nirvana. And I was obsessive about Seattle, not just because of the music, but like, oh, I'm, I'm paying attention to the Sonics. Here's the crazy part. I was already a Seahawks fan because who was the star of the Seahawks when I was a kid? Steve Largent. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy to think like, had I went with Steve Young, I'd be a Niners fan. And that'd be crazy. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. just the dumb reasons. I, I I also rooted for the Giants because that was like my uncle's favorite team. So I really didn't have like, my family were not sports fans. I was. So like, I was the first in my immediate family that was obsessed with baseball. Like baseball was everything to me. And a massive, like I said, Dodgers, Padres. And then I became a big hockey fan because of all of my buddies. And I picked the Devils mainly because they were red rotten. And all my friends were either Islanders or Rangers fans. So in a true, I don't want to, I don't want to piss off anybody way. I was like, I'll pick the team that nobody hates. And I don't <laughs> have to, you know, but they're also from around here. Now fast yeah. forward, they win three Stanley cups and most Rangers and Islanders fans hate the Devils and their fans. But yeah. at the time, they were awful. They hadn't even made the playoffs yet as a franchise when I started being a fan of the Devils. Um, and I still love the Devils, but I've become a Kraken fan, just hometown pride. And, and I've been wanting a Seattle team for so long that it was like, how can I not fall in love with this team? And, and, and so my biggest fear is that both the Devils and the Kraken are playing very well. And I root for the Kraken when they play the Devils. Otherwise, I root for the Devils. But it could be it'd be a long shot, but we could have a Stanley Cup finals between the Devils and the Kraken. And that would just blow my freaking mind. Uh, yeah, that's win-win. That's a win-win for you. You know, It is. It's like, well, yeah. But I would love to see the Kraken win, obviously. I mean, the Kra Devils have won their cups and I will always root for them when they're not facing the Seattle Kraken. Uh, but I fell in love with the Mariners, obviously, when I moved out here. Uh, what a great time to be. Uh, you know, I moved here in the late 90s. So the team wasn't awful. Uh, and then, of course, then there was that amazing 2001 season. At that time, I'm working at the end. Dude, I was getting access to go and interview players in the locker room. Like they at the time, they like and I'll, I'll share a great story of how we got banned from the Mariners uh, because of <laughs> stupidity of the guy I worked with. Uh, but I was going to the, the to go get audio of the players. But I was getting like random audio like we were on a sports talk station. We we're a morning radio show. I was trying to make people laugh and sometimes failing miserably at it. But I really got to get to know Jay Buhner during that time because wow. he did not talk to media at all. But I came in in my own stupid wisdom, which actually worked. I came in with CDs and I bribed him. I was like, hey, dude, if you talk to me, I'll hook you up with some CDs. Like, <laughs> I don't even, this guy's, and he goes, well, what do you got? I'm like, I got Allison Chain's box set. He goes, all right, yeah, let's do it. So then I kind of became a joke. Like I would get to talk to him. I'd bring a CD for him. And hook him up with he can afford a record store at that time. Like he's Jay freaking Buner. But I think he got a kick out of the fact that A, I wasn't asking like boring in his eyes, by boring sports questions. I was just talking music with him and 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 keeping it on the surface about baseball. Like, you know, it wasn't anything hard hitting. I was never gonna hit him with like a hard question about how the team's doing. I didn't I didn't I wasn't good enough at that. Like, and I didn't even think to take advantage of those opportunities. But it was great. Like I had a decent relationship with Ken, uh, with uh, Jay Buhner because of that. Also, uh, uh, Moyer was pretty cool. Uh, there was a few, but the thing that got us kicked out, our host was obsessed with trying to get an interview with Ichiro. He that's all he wanted. He's like, I just want to get some, even if it's a thirty second interview. But the team's like, no, he doesn't really speak English, and it's very limited, and it's not going to happen. Somewhere he found out that Ichiro was a fan of pizza, which I mean, okay. So I show up to meet up with my host, Andy, at the time. And I'm like, okay, we're going to meet up. We're going to go into the locker rooms and do the interviews. And we have our press pass and all that. So getting in was easy. 
he shows up with a pizza box. And I'm like, what are you doing with the pizza? He's like, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to bribe Ichiro with a pizza. So he talked to us and dude, we come down and I, and I got, I, I got to imagine it was Luke Pinella. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember. I, I, I it must've been, this is forever ago, obviously. We go down and whoever was one of the managers of the team are like, who do you have for these guys? Like, I could hear them saying this. And I've never felt more small because I'm like, we look like the biggest idiots. And rightfully <laughs> so. We showed up to a press. All the other media looking at us like we're, they already thought we were Nimrods. I mean, I'm showing up with CDs. Like, you know, but like CDs are easy. I can put them in my, my jacket pocket. They don't no smell. <laughs> right. They don't smell. They're not edible. Yeah. Got, so finally, like the PR guy at the time, who's still there, uh, Greg Green, awesome guy. Uh, one of the, I, I know he's worked his way up the ladder and like Kevin Martinez as well. I've always loved those guys, even though we deservingly got kicked out of the locker room because they're just like, guys, what are you doing? What, what's wrong with you? I, it's like, why are you bringing a pizza into a locker room? And Andy, we're not missing a beach. Just like, well, uh, we wanted to talk to each other. And we're like, they're like, we said you, you can't. He's like, well, I figured if I give him some pizza, I'll talk. He's like, that's not his decision. Like we're in charge of this. You don't show up with a pizza. <laughs> it's so stupid. Fast forward five minutes later, we've been kicked out. Our credentials have been taken from us. And we're sitting outside of the, out of the stadium. And he's just eating the pizza. And I'm looking at him. It's like, I, I felt like we were like James Simon Bob or some kind of random weird movie. And I'm like, why do you think that was a good idea? He's like, I don't know. I thought it was a good idea. He's like, do you want a slice? I'm like, well, yeah, of course I want a slice of pizza. I'm hungry. Dude. And we never got... Uh, access to and granted we didn't really try very hard because I mean I'm not going back to them being like hey give us another chance they're they always still cool to me and to this day like I have a great relationship with, with those guys when I see them but I you know obviously our show we don't need to have access to a locker room so I never had to broach that again but you know we've done things with the Mariners here at KSW that right. they don't hold it against me uh, I, and also I wasn't the one who brought the pizza but I was guilt by association but after that the relationship with the Mariners ended they're just like, yeah. no, you guys are dorks. Like, no, we're not, we're not working with you guys again. I think this group of Mariners would probably have taken the pizza. That's uh, yes. that's, that's <laughs> it's a different animal now, but also the funny part about that too, is you brought the pizza and it's like, these guys are major leaguers. They have catering. They have everything they possibly would want to eat already, you know, <laughs> provided for him like i, I think if each row wants pizza they'll make him a pizza that's probably better than the dominoes that we brought with us like, i got this inside thing they don't the mariners don't provide pizza for their players so we're gonna bring a pizza I love <laughs> uh, so <laughs> Fry bread and mustard, a Mariners podcast. We have the one and only Mr. Tom Hutler. Do you have any of your favorite stories from the kingdom? There was a time we had an earthquake, and so we, they were going to evacuate the building. So I was like getting up to go and leave. They go, no, you can't go. you got to read these safety <laughs> things. It's like, Do we need to tell them that there's smoking's only on the exterior <laughs> ramps? Yeah. And Dave came shooting past. He signed off. I'm going, wait, I'm the only one here. Listen and subscribe to Fry bread and mustard, a Mariners podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, you know, as a, as a, like now I get it. Cause I was like, how could a New York fan, you know, with all the, with all the accolades, with all the titles, yeah. you know, go over to a Mariners, uh, you know, cross over to Mariners, obviously in 1995, we had this, the, you know, epic run that we had to talk about for 25 years until last yeah. year. And, uh, and so that makes sense to me. Cause I was like, Oh, this guy has got to be a Yankee fan. This would be interesting. But now, I get it. There, you know, certain sports I I follow, um, like basketball. I'll follow the players, you know, because yep. we lost our team. But no, I haven't done. I haven't picked a team where I followed the guy because his name was Myron. But that might happen. There's not a lot of Myrons out there, so you know, if I, you know, if I could go back and there was a star named Myron, I 100 percent can understand that ideology behind it. It's so funny when people are like, "Oh, you're you're a fair weather fan of the Seahawks." I'm like, "No, I'm a I've been a fan for a very long time. My reasons are not good, and I didn't grow up in a Seahawks family. I didn't grow up in Seattle, but Steve Largent, I saw him on Monday Night Football, and I'm like, his name's Steve. I love this guy, and and then became a fan of the team, and and obviously the fandom became even more heightened when we moved when I moved out here, and then you know I, we we've done a lot of stuff with players over the years, you know." throughout the years from like the Grant Wistroms from back in the day to Matt Hasselbeck's to, to the 
Robbie Tobacks and, and obviously the, the, the Luke Wilson's more currently and other players as well. Like we've had a relationship. So it's hard not to root for a team when you've kind of built a relationship with certain players where you want to see them do well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this team seems very accessible to, um, to play, you know, well, oh, here we go. Hold, let's play. Oh, here comes our friend. We're going to add, Rod. well, this was a good breaking point. Here we go. Okay. Hey. Just, oh, yes. I love it with the branding behind you, CJ. Uh, yeah, man. So one of our uh, regular uh, co-hosts here on has just joined us. He's uh, friends with Steve. This is the guy that set us up on this date here. Um, yep, yep, yep. So yeah. our backstory with, with Chris and I is that we played on the same hockey team together. I mean, early 2000s? Yeah, yeah, right around then. Yep. Yep. Yeah. We, then we, we were, did the WrestleMania together and all that good stuff. And we did, you were yeah, we did WrestleMania and, together. Uh, yeah. uh, we were on a team called the Buzzards originally, and then we changed the team name to the greatest hockey team name of all time. We were called the Browns, but our <laughs> our our team logo was basically Mr. Hanky from South Park. Was, <laughs> imagine the Pittsburgh Penguins jersey where they had the the old school penguin in the triangle logo with holding a hockey stick, but yeah. ours was a uh, a brown Mr. Hanky with a hockey helmet on holding a hockey stick. It was just a turd holding a yeah. stick. And that was our team. And we had yeah. custom jerseys. They were brown jerseys with orange and they were amazing. Yeah, oh god, so when you guys scored a goal, when you go, howdy ho. I wish I had the money to get like a custom uh painted goalie lid, like how, how players have now, like you can see the goalies. I, I knowing my, I mean, because it was my design that made that turn, it would have been completely offensive and awful, and I would have looked back on it with pure embarrassment. Yeah, I was I'm on a team down here now, uh, inline team. We're called the Moo Crew, and so we have cow and an udders and like and run our stomachs. Oh. It's pretty good. Apparently, hockey's the best. Um, before we hop back in the Mariners, since you were bringing up a little bit of hockey, I noticed, and this is controversial with uh, like my girlfriend and my sister. Uh, uh specifically you're a fan of buoy the uh the mascot the mascot okay obsessed almost to the point where we might get a restraining order against us we have myself (laughs) and my buddy danny i do the show with we call ourselves buoy buddies for christmas both of our significant others got us buoy jerseys like full-on custom jerseys with the number zero and buoy i don't have a player jersey I, I've never ever been so obsessed with a mascot that I would ever even think of getting. I would think others are, are ridiculous for doing that. And when we walked into that arena wearing them, both of us, I realized just how ridiculous it was. Like the looks you get, like you get nods, but it's like these are two grown men walking around with buoy jerseys <laughs> together. And then we got pictures with them. And, and yeah, they're, 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 I, I just was so happy to have a mascot that was so ridiculous because I'm a fan of Grady. I'm a fan of ones that are like meant for kids that are super, super silly. I didn't want anything scary or I didn't want Davy Jones or I didn't want like a big octopus. that was like a badass. Like I wanted, I was pitching like they should have grungy, which would be like, like a grunged out mascot, like, like gritty, but you know, dreadlocks instead of orange hair wearing flannel and kind of that's what they did in a way. Like it's kind of like this grungy mascot. Because yeah, he's not, the uh, nephew of, of uh, the Fremont Troll, right? That's the yes, story. The yes. backstory. Yeah, right, yeah. It has a backstory. And, you know, it, I was kind of like, what is this? And then you really think about it and you talk about it that way. You know, the Mariner Moose was a, a suggestion um, yeah. by a student. And uh, where Bowie is, you know, whether you like it or not, there's a, so much Northwest seattle pacific northwest in it with with the frayed jeans uh uh which is uh an object in the water for nautical thing yeah and the troll which is the troll underneath the bridge he's a he's a relative but but yeah my girlfriend and my sister want him to stay away from the mariner moose they think that he's they're gonna give him bad habits it's a it's a it's a it's a whole it's a whole thing. It's kind of like a running joke uh, on like the it's text awesome. when there's when there's buoy stuff. The World Series, where a pitch is not just a pitch, it's a World Series pitch. Where a hit is not just a hit, it's a World Series hit. A win is not just a win, it's a World Series win. 
Now, you've got a chance to win a trip to the 1984 World Series by entering Major League Baseball's Grand Slam sweepstakes at all Major League ballparks and participating retailers. Baseball fever. Catch it. The preceding message was furnished by Major League Baseball. Uh... What what are you most excited about for this season, and just what's been b building that you that you well, got I mean, to? I'm glad we talked today after yesterday. I mean, yesterday was uh, today when we're recording this. Yeah. It's just they're fresh off of a 11 to two win after having a four game <laughs> losing streak. I think yesterday would have been like a little. It's so early, obviously, with a long season to get yeah. like. I know some people get knee jerk, and it's like even with hockey, it's like this isn't football. Like there's not just 16 games, so I'm not too concerned. But man, I'm just excited about. Obviously, Julio Rodriguez, to have a guy on that level, to, to have so much love for being in Seattle, uh, to potentially have him be an MVP-type candidate, a rookie of the year like he was, and uh, even guys like Luis Castillo, who's just a, a dominant force. I just like that there's personality with so many of these players. Like, they all have their own vibe, like the big dumper. You know, like, like there's – I, I feel like it's probably similar in a sense for a lot of nice. Like, a lot of people who, like, watched the team in 95, which was another team – full of eclectic personalities. It's not just a boring baseball team, which I feel like we had for so many years. Yeah, we just, it, we did, we did. That There wasn't, I mean, Felix would fit on this team, right? Because he yes. had a personality, yeah. maybe Nelson Cruz, but the rest of the guys were, there wasn't that connection with the city. And it, yeah. and even, even if there were the W's and the, maybe the division titles and, and more, maybe we would have had that, but you know, even even for I know like the people that do like the that were doing the marketing and stuff like that, they did a great job with those commercials, but that wasn't their personality. Yeah. That we knew maybe they had these personalities behind closed doors. Maybe it's social media, the way things are too, that that help that out. That but but yes, yeah. right. I just I was just down at spring training, you know, I was on the back practice field, CJ was with me. They're they're very accessible they're you know for the most part once they get their work done of course you know that's their safest place these guys are signing even kelnick you know who seems like he's this you know really cocky uh kind of like aggro kind of guy i mean i watched him walk through the crowd and not talk to anybody go do whatever he had to go and pick up and he walked right back to the crowd but this time he mm -hmm. signed every single yeah, autograph cool. Dude, there was a moment last season with with Kelnick that I, I like obviously had a rough season last year, but there was a moment towards the end of the year where they won a game, and all of a sudden you saw he's in the middle of that dance circle, and I was like, I think I think that culture is starting to. And I don't know him, I don't know anything. I'm just a, a, a casual sports fan. I don't get too knee deep in a lot of the things, but I still believe sports should be entertainment. Probably why I love wrestling so much, and that's why I love personalities in sports. That's what like the Seahawks when they won the Super Bowl even without winning the bowl, that, that was like a fun team because of all the personalities. But I felt like there was a moment last season where it stopped being work to him. And like, he realized that there's a culture you got to have fun. And that's the vibe that I think this team has. And, and I hope that fun leads to W's. Obviously I want to see this team win a world series. Uh, but I think, I think that having that kind of a vibe is going to help him, you know, with his stats. And say like he relaxed, right? And it's almost like he felt like the Julio energy like went into yeah. him, him and Dino energy, all of that. And just and it's cool to see how we've kind of homegrown some of these guys inside this farm system coming up. Where like in the past, I think really didn't have the connection. We were signing the big names and the older guys, and it just was more, I don't know, it just didn't feel as fun as it is now, which is it's just like really fun to turn in, even though they're losing uh the last, you know, the beginning of the season. But like you said, it's early. But you can yeah. just see how much fun they're having. It's it's really cool to see from a fan perspective. It's funny seeing people lose their mind already early in the season. Like they've yeah, only played two right. teams. Like let's yeah. relax for a second. <laughs> yeah, like we were twenty games below five hundred or ten games below five hundred in June or something last year, and so you know, anything. <laughs> we did a podcast the other day, and the title was "Are the Kraken outscoring the Mariners right now?" And then the very next day, they scored eleven <laughs> runs. So I said, even though it wasn't one of our recording days. <laughs> I better go on and just like 10 minutes. And I was like, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, titles and things don't age well. This is a perfect example of yeah. it, but I'm happy to see this. Uh, and, you know, it was great to see Tay Oscar and AJ got oh. their ice baths. And like, okay, you're on the team. You got the ice bath. It's like getting jumped into a gang. You know, you got to have the ice bath in the, in the, in, in the, in the presser. You know, we've teased it. We've talked about it. This is what we've, we've got through all the work. Now it's time for the play. You got to tell me, Migs, 
how did this whole rest you're a pro wrestler and we'll talk some pro wrestling before you get out of here but sure, sure. I, can you tell everybody your story of how you got into this and uh and just just blows my mind uh, it's, it's 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 crazy so uh uh, obviously a lifelong wrestling fan since I was a kid fell in love with it, it it's the, the ultimate to me has forever been my escape from reality and I always love it I mean I've obviously went through some oddly enough the one era of wrestling that I was it wasn't I was wasn't a fan I was in college and we didn't have cable was the attitude era like I only know the attitude era based on like documentaries about it or watching really? some stuff on like streaming services but I one arguably the greatest era of wrestling for me, it's the 80s because I was just an 80s kid. But like for many people that, you know, the Stone Colds, the Rocks, like I was not really I knew what was going on, but I wasn't watching it because I didn't have cable. Um, but a lifelong wrestling fan uh, involved with the wrestling scene here in town, just as like a, a ring announcer for Defy and doing some other stuff around town with some other promotions. Just as like for me, it was like I, I get to use my radio platform to hopefully expose because I love independent wrestling. Like obviously I love WWE and AEW, but for me, like I grew up going to see like small wrestling matches in churches in Brooklyn, New York with my mom. Like those are my favorite memories as a kid were just going with my mom, making her have to sit through it. She wasn't a wrestling fan, but she wanted to see her kid happy. And I was, and that was my element in a room full of like in a church, oddly enough of like 400 people yelling and screaming. And as kids, they let you go run in the ring after the matches. And you know, like all that kind of stuff was very important to me uh, growing up. So like I, in a weird way, like I wanted to use my radio as a way to like kind of let people know that, hey, there's more to wrestling than just what you see on WWE. Like yeah. I, I contend you go to an independent show, fan or not, you're going to have fun because it's just so close and intimate. And you, where else? I mean, you get yelled at if you start cursing out a baseball player or a football player yeah. at a, a sporting event. Like you're told, hey, you know, knucklehead alert. In wrestling, it's one of the few art forms. You can't do it at a theater show. You can't do it at a movie. But in wrestling, you're encouraged to say, anything you want within reason but anything you want to a wrestler and it's part of the show like they'll feed into it and i think there's something really fun about that like i've fast forward when i did start wrestling like i've had people come up i remember one woman coming up saying i had a terrible week work this relationships i never felt better until tonight because i got to yell at you and i was like whoa that's <laughs> what a weird thing to be told but like, i'm playing a bad guy so it's like the greatest compliment but also i'm like that's there's something pretty deep to that like this is like a, an outlet for people to just let out whatever primal anger that they have and yell and scream at the, the performer in the ring. And it's okay. In fact, other people are going to jump in with you. So I'm doing the ring announcing thing and I'm having a blast with that. And one of my buddies who was a wrestler is like, Hey, do you want to come and train with us? And I was like, I can. And he's like, Oh yeah, yeah. First one's free. It's like, you know, like a drug, uh, but like first one's free. Come on down and just see if you like it. Uh, in my head, I'm like, never going to wrestle a match. To be able to be in the ring, roll around, take a bump, which is like landing on the on the mat, you know, getting hit, body slams. Like if I can learn how to do that, that's a life experience that I'll never forget as a as a wrestler. Because as a kid, of course, I wanted to be a wrestler. As a even when I was getting older, I wanted to be a wrestler. But uh, and this is something that actually is like as silly as it sounds. Like I, I live my life a lot of times, and I think a lot of people are guilty of this. And I, and I, and the biggest like, in a sense inspire inspirational thing for me with wrestling is. For so long, I didn't do things because I was afraid of how other people would view me. And wrestling is such a polarizing thing. And I had family members thinking it was stupid that I even liked it. Then the fact that I wanted to learn how to wrestle, they would they were like, no, that's you're an idiot. And I would listen because I was a kid and I was or as a teen or I was this. Or I, I was afraid of what my friends would think if they found out I was going to train, you know. When I hit my 40s, I stopped caring. Like, I really did. Once I hit 40, it was like a weird thing happened. Like I was like, I'm not getting any younger. I'm going to stop worrying about what other people think and start doing things that make me happy. Because if I do the things that make me happy, I'm going to be a happier person. And then the people like my kid will see their father being happy. And one day, maybe my child will be like, I don't know if I can do this. And I'll be like, let me tell you about the time that your dad in his 40s decided to pick up something that really is something to be done by someone half his age and ended up being in one of the biggest wrestling promotions for a night because of it. Like, that's an unheard of experience. But I just truly believe that like, if you are physically capable of doing something, you owe it to yourself. If it means something to you to at least try. And I still had a job. It wasn't like I was, I wasn't delusional. I wasn't thinking wrestling is going to be my living. Wrestling is going to be there. But yeah. it was like, it made me happy. And look, I think my wife thinks I'm crazy. My parents have out and out said, when are you going to grow up? Like it's still, <laughs> I'm still getting the same 
kickback that I did when I was younger, but I don't give enough. And it doesn't mean I don't care about those people. It means that I'm not going to let the people who I, I know they think they, they, they love me and they care about my best interest, but I'm not going to let them dictate what I would do with my free time that will make me happy. So long as I'm not hurting anybody. I mean, of course I'm, you know, in the match I'm trying to, but you know what I mean? Like yes. as long as I'm not, I'm not, I'm not risking massive harm to anyone other than myself sometimes, but like, I'm going to do what's going to make me happy because I think I owe it to myself. And I also think I do owe it to my kid, even though it is a selfish thing. I love wrestling. I want to be able to say, I can look back and say I did wrestling, but I also want to know that like her dad is not a quitter. Her dad is not someone who's going to let other people dictate what he wants to do to make himself happy. And her dad is willing to do put in the work. Cause I say, it's like easy. Like if I can do it, anyone can, but you got to put in the same amount of work that I did. And I put in a lot of work to get to this point. Like you, yeah. you can't just do it because you showed up to wrestling class. You got to lots of sleepless nights, lots of insecurity, lots of people thinking I'm only getting opportunities because of what I do for a living. And they're not wrong. I am getting opportunities because of what I do for a living, but I'm, I'm thriving in those opportunities and I'm not embarrassing myself because I put in the work. So when those opportunities that I don't deserve, which are not wrong, but I, when I do get them, I'd be an idiot to turn them down. Like if AEW says, Hey, we want to have you wrestle. And I say, no, there's other people who are more deserving of it. That's stupid. Like they offered me an opportunity. I should take it. And then it's up to me to either sink or swim. And so training, doing the wrestling thing for a few years now, and all of a sudden AEW is coming to town. And I reached out to one of the people that are in charge of the extra talent, which are, they hire people on, to do stuff, either you're a security guard or you're a seat filler, which I was here in Seattle, or I was security for a couple of the wrestlers when they did a meet and greet, mm-hmm. or if they have time and they have space and it makes sense, they'll put you in a match on their YouTube show, Elevation and Dark. So the Seattle one happens and I see the list. I was hoping so bad for Seattle, I ain't gonna lie, because in Seattle, I'm on the radio, I'm also knee deep in the wrestling community. Those are my people. Like if there's ever a group of people that I feel like I'm a part of that culture. It's the wrestling scene in Seattle. And I met so many people that are like, oh, we wish you were wrestling. I just, in my heart of hearts, know that if I came out in Seattle, that would be a pretty awesome moment because of A, the radio reach and also the wrestling reach. But it didn't happen. And like you, I can't get upset about it. The fact that I was even brought in as an extra was pretty awesome. Portland happens. I'm convinced I'm not going to get used at all. Like I'm just going to be behind the scenes again. I go to the room where they have like the, the board of what matches are going to happen. And because you don't know until maybe an hour before a match or the show, two hours before. And in some situations in Seattle, some guys didn't know they were going to wrestle until 10 minutes before their match. Like it's, it's chaos. And, and understandably so they're, they're putting on a TV show first and then a YouTube show second. Um, so as I'm walking to that room, all the other extras that are from here, they're all smiling, looking at me like, dude, just wait. And I'm like, oh man, that felt good knowing that they were rooting for me, you know? Uh, and I get up to the board and I see my names on the board and I'm like, holy crap, this is actually going to happen. Like, And then I see when I'm wrestling and it's Jake Hager. And I'm like, holy crap, he's a big boy. Like, this is going to be crazy. And I see Dr. Luther is a personality for AEW, but behind the scenes, he does a lot of stuff with the talent. And he looks at me and goes, oh, you're going to have a blast. You don't even have to like, he doesn't even need your help picking you up. Like, he's so strong. He'll throw you around. No problem. Like, oh, Cool, but not cool, you know? Um, so next thing you know, I'm having a match with Jake Hager. And so then your job is to find him and talk about the match. And I find him and he's he's recently fresh off of an injury. So at the time he had no idea if he was even wrestling. So I go up to him like, hey, Jake, I'm Steve Miggs. I'm wrestling you tonight. And he's like, no, you're not. And I'm like, oh crap, did I, are you messing with me? Or like, he wasn't a jerk, but he was just, he was like, matter of fact, he's like, no, no, you're not, sorry. And I'm like, oh, okay. He goes, are you listed to have a match with me? I'm like, yeah, I'm on the board. It's you and me. He goes, I'm still, I haven't been cleared yet. So I'm sorry. And I was like, you know, it was like, I felt like some people just got deflated. Like, you're like, keep, keep a good attitude. You don't want to look like a sourpuss. But uh, and inside, I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Like, I get the chance. And the one guy they put me up with isn't even cleared. Like, of course, I'm not going to have a match. And he tracks me down. He's like, I'll check and I'll let you know. He tracks me down like an hour later. He goes, dude, dude, good news. I've been cleared. I'm still nursing a surgery, uh, a shoulder injury. So is it cool if we don't do anything crazy? And I'm like, yeah, because yeah. crazy yeah. means you're throwing me around. And I'm cool exactly. if you're not throwing me <laughs> That would be preferred. <laughs> well, because a lot of those wrestlers, 
they they're paired up with guys and who are in their 20s or 30s that are trying to get noticed to one day make wrestling their full-time job Um, so a lot of the extras have a lot to prove like they're like i want to prove that i deserve to be and they want to go balls out in the match i'm on the other end i'm not delusional because i'm in my 40s there's no chance i'm going to get hired uh and if i was it would be to be behind the scenes or something like has nothing to do with actual wrestling so i'm like i just want to have a good time and create a fun story and get that one picture of me in the ring in front of thousands of people in Portland. Like, how cool will that be? So he's like, you cool and not doing a bunch of crazy stuff? I'm like, absolutely, man. He's like, you cool doing character stuff? I'm like, my character in wrestling is mostly character stuff. Like, I'm not a guy that does crazy moves. And he start. you can see, like, there was, like, a moment of relief. And I think maybe in a way they meant to pair him with me because the guy who sets it all up does do his research on the wrestlers that mm-hmm. they're pairing these guys up with to make sure it's going to be a good fit. I'm like, dude, I'm all like, as he calls it, Shakespeare, like all character driven, all storytelling. So he, you could tell immediately felt more relieved. And then he's like, well, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I, I want to make you look good. Like that's the job of an enhancement talent. And he's just like, no, no, no. But what would you want to do in the match? He's like, I have, I have my purple hat. That's a big thing right now with the show. And people are really loving the, the fact that I love this like silly bucket hat that he wears. And so my first thought was, I'm like, how do I, how do you get noticed in a sea of great wrestlers? So you got to create a moment. So I'm like, has anyone ever worn your hat? And he's like, no. I was like, would it be okay if I take your hat, I put it on, but I'm so excited to put it on. I forget I'm in a match and I turn around and you're just waiting for me and you just murder me. And he just starts <laughs> laughing. He's like, that is awesome. Let's do that. And then we just kind of went from there, but in this short two and a half minute match, there was a lot of improv that happened out there because some things didn't go exactly how planned. Like the hat wasn't supposed to fall off the turnbuckle and it did. So I had to kind of figure that out. Oh, but that was on me. Like, and that was crazy. Like, thank goodness. Like I've been trained well enough to like be ready for those moments to imp- like, as you said, like you did improv comedy and sketch comedy. Like you sometimes things happen that aren't planned. You have to figure out how to go with the flow and, and make yeah. it work. And those are the biggest gifts sometimes. And it was, it made it more, it, it seemed more real that I was obsessed with the hat because it fell and I picked it up and I'm mocking him and he's like, give me back the hat. And then we went, you know, and then went back into it. So when he actually hit me with the hat, it made more sense because I was actually getting under his skin about the hat and that was never the plan. Um, yeah. And afterwards, like he pulled me aside and said, dude, you saved the match. And that meant everything to me. He's like, you made me look like a million bucks and you saved the match. And I was like, and as silly as it sounds, like I, as soon as I, I left, I checked my social media, he instantly started following me on Twitter I was like, right. clearly made him happy. Like he wouldn't do yeah. any of that. He wouldn't have said any of that. The people, I didn't bug anybody like the producers, like, like Tony Khan, like people were like, did you get feedback? I'm like, man, I was there for a two minute enhancement match. I knew my role and I was just there to have a good time and create a great memory. And if, if something came of it, like maybe I get invited back when they come back to town. Awesome. But I didn't want to be the guy that would be like pushing and, and you know, I, I basically wanted to be, seen but not now i don't want to i don't want to bug people uh i I did my job and and i had a blast doing it and i never thought in a million years again to go back to i'm in my 40s i decided to do something that everyone told me is stupid to do but now all of a sudden i'm in the second biggest company in the entire world and for some their favorite wrestling promotion and i'm wrestling on their show in front of i don't know six seven thousand people in an arena in portland like that should never happen to someone like me. Like it really shouldn't. Like I'm, I'm in my late forties. I should not be doing that, but I, here I am doing it because I didn't care. I, I, I only wanted to have fun and make myself happy and, and, and put in the work to be good enough to do it, but never expect to do it. And so I, I I'm sorry, I'm rambling, but it's something that it's probably one of my proudest moments outside of like family stuff. And when it comes to like random extracurricular stuff, I don't think I've ever been more proud of what I was able to accomplish in such a, a, a random set of circumstances at, at this point in my life. And he nailed you. He nailed you pretty good, did, oh, didn't he? He came at me like a <laughs> dude. YouTube. I'm looking at it right now. He came at me like a wrecking ball. I knew he was going to hit me, but I didn't realize that the speed and the, and the force, like I'm not even kidding. And, it, and he hit me so hard that I lost my voice for three days. And my voice, it took three months before it was fully back to what it was before that. Like it was, I was drinking honey, throat coat. It was like, I lost my voice for solidly lost my voice where I was whispering for three days. And then for about three more weeks on air, people are like, what's wrong with your voice? Did you, did you blow it out? 
he hit me so hard he blew out my vocal cords. And yeah. I I'd do it again though tomorrow. Like I ain't gonna lie. Like I would Anger, same exact circumstances, I would do Dude. it again. Yeah, yeah, I mean that guy was like an NCAA uh champion, wasn't he? I mean he was he's got like a wrestling he's grown up he did MMA for, for yep. one point. I mean, he's a he's Bellator. a big guy. Yeah, Bellator. Uh also known as Jack Hager from Oklahoma State. Yeah. Yeah, and he yeah, was Jack Swagger on uh, uh, or no, Jack Swagger on uh, WWE. And he was a WWE I, champion. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this, it's, like everything. It was crazy to do it, and and the crazy part was so that I do it, and then the next week they reference it on Dynamite that he beat Steve Miggs on AW <laughs> Dark, and I'm like, and my buddy's like, they never like just randomly name check the enhancement talent on on Dynamite the following week. Like it was a, like here he comes out of the back with Chris Jericho and the Jericho Appreciation Society. And underneath it says Jake Hager uh, defeated, St- dismantled Steve Miggs uh, <laughs> on, on uh, Dark last week. And I'm like, what the hell? Like it created like a memory for the people who work there as well. And I thought that was really freaking cool. Yeah. And, 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 you know, you, you've had on your mega cast, I've noticed you've had, you've had uh, Darby Allen, who's from Seattle area yep. and, and you've had Tony Kwan. So like when yep. the guy's like, did you get notes from him? Like, Hey, listen, I have the guy on my show. Uh, you know, the funny need thing to get- was with, with Tony, I'm pretty sure like when I talked to him, like he jokingly invited me to be on dark or elevation. He's like, you should come on, but like go through the proper channels. And everyone's like, Oh, did he come up to find you? I'm like, no, like he's so busy. I don't even think he yeah. remembered. You know what I mean? Like he's got so much going on. Like that Running would be really, yeah a a, a pro nfl and also a premier league soccer team as well like he's he's got a lot on his plate the last thing he's thinking did the radio guy that i talked to is he getting it (laughs) up because some people are like you're definitely gonna wrestle in seattle tony khan's gonna make it happen i'm like i don't think tony khan has puts any thought into that what and clearly he didn't and it's no disrespect and it's not like me being upset like he shouldn't and even when i interviewed him afterwards i brought it up because i interviewed him after uh i wrestled and I said, oh, dude, I don't know if you remember, but I was there. And I could kind of tell, like, he kind of remembered, but didn't fully. Because I was just, I was another enhancement talent in a sea of enhancement talent. And I'm not thinking of anything more special than anyone else. And, like, the fact that I got to do it, man, it's just, it's surreal. It's still surreal to this day. Like, whenever I, I see a picture or a video clip of it, it's crazy. Yeah, it is. And look, I know we're running out of time because you got to get to the mega cast, which I'll talk about more in the intro. Just one quick thing. What wrestle two quick things. WrestleMania just wrapped up here. WrestleMania yeah. 39. I was there and where I wore the sweatshirt for you oh. today. Both days. You go both nights? I went both nights. If I was at, I heard you talk about it on on uh when I was listening to uh BJ Miggs. Uh uh, uh it is it was so huge. That stadium is so huge. I would have been in the fourth row at a football game and yeah. it was still a bit of ways. Cause it's the show plays big, but the action is, is definitely, you know, yeah. there you're there for the experience, but it was crazy. It was fun. It was two nights, uh, you know, a two nights of just eating hot dogs and hamburgers in the parking lot to survive. Cause you can't get up. My, my meals back to back went hamburger, hamburger, Hot dog, hamburger, hamburger, cheesecake, uh, <laughs> hamburger, hamburger. I mean, uh, that, I'm not kidding. That's, That's all I ate, um, and I'm happy and I'm proud of it. Uh, you know, controversial end. I'm a bloodline guy. How did you feel about that end? And what did you think about the Snoop Dogg thing? Uh, Snoop Dogg thing was hilarious. I thought, like, I mean, obviously, I, they they were dealt a bad hand with what happened with Shane. I hate that people are like, oh, he's too old to be doing that. I'm like, I've seen people half his age do the exact same thing. I've blown out quads. Do it. It's just a chance, a freak thing. Yeah. It might be because of age. It might be because maybe whatever the reason, but like, I, I it's a bummer that age is being brought into it. as an older guy saying that, of course, but you know what I mean? Like that's, that's unfortunate that, that I hope he gets another opportunity to do something cool solely because that, that would suck to have that be his last taste in his mouth of a, a WrestleMania moment. Yeah. And I don't feel like it's a age thing. I think the McMahons just have a quad. That's like their, <laughs> their, their weak spots. Like, like I've said this I mean, before, yes. go, on and go watch Vince blow out two quads within 30 seconds. Sliding just, in. Yeah. Some people like in their, in their, in their families, they have, uh, you know, some people have bad backs. Some people have uh, hairline <laughs> issues. Uh, they have quad issues. The McMahon. They have a quad, quad issue. Yeah. Quad uh, issue. Did, I really, 
I really wanted to see Cody Rhodes win. I ain't going to lie. But I yes. also love the idea the more I think about it, and I think it was even like a, a Bully Ray on the Busted Open podcast brought up the, 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 the question of all questions. If Dusty Rhodes was alive and he was booking that match, how would he have it end? And everyone was just like, yeah, he probably would have had his son lose because everybody wants it, it's more about the chase than it is about winning. Like it's mm-hmm. and, and, and he's only going to now he's going to go through his quote unquote hard times against Brock Lesnar. And once that happened, I'm like, oh, man, I'm in. Like, I, I don't care when he I just hope one day he does win it, because I think that's that to me is the ultimate story. And if he retires one day and he hadn't won the WWE championship, then I would look back and be bummed. But I thought that was a phenomenal match. I, I really love the match from beginning yeah. to end. Yeah, I didn't expect that ending, uh, but I, I wasn't mad. Like, I don't dude, at the end of the day, like, why am I going to get mad about two guys pretending to fight each other? uh for our entertainment like it's it's really like to me it's just entertainment yeah of course i would like to see things end differently but to get mad about it seems a little like i don't i don't really absorb my entertainment that way like i got upset about like when my favorite sports team loses but by the end of the night i moved on i got my kid to worry about or i'm watching something else like yeah of course some things sting more than others but it's it's i i can't let myself get too worked up about that i think my hot my favorite match might have been though the the Rhea Ripley uh, Charlotte Flair yeah. match. That was, pound was a great oh. wrestling match. And uh, going back to the, the the ending there, I haven't posted any of my stuff on social media. I'm going to. I just have so much where I'm like, I want to get yeah. to the. But I will say that moment when Solo Sokoa hit 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 Cody, and you knew that maybe this was gonna happen, and then that one. Two and like usually those one two threes kind of get louder and louder as they go. It was the opposite. It was one, two, three, and it felt like Cody Rhodes had the ball on the one yard line at home in front of the crowd, and the interception yes. happened. And that's what it felt like in that stadium. But the bloodline people, you could hear him screaming. So it was just it was the exact feeling of a road team just pulling this out, and you could hear you know out of eighty thousand maybe. 15 to 20,000 people really wanted the bloodline. So it, it was, it was a thing. It was, you know, I have, I have some good videos I'm going to put out off the show to you. Well, just the people like, you know, you had these moments and then you had the people going, yeah. I told you, I told you. And then yeah. of course the murder happened the next day. And so it just compounds everything. So it's funny you yeah. said, cause I, I did compare. I was like, it felt no, I was at the Super Bowl when the Seahawks lost to the Patriots with the, oh. with the interception. And of course, that was devastating and a different type of devastating. But it felt similar in a sense because it was just like, it's happening, it's happening. And then it doesn't. You're like, wait, wait, no, something has to happen to take that back. And I I had that same kind of feeling. Granted, not as extreme, but it was just like, oh, no, there's going to be some kind of like referees going to come in and say, no, 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 they cheated. You know, like you're waiting for this is not how it's supposed to end. And, And the crowd also felt the same way. Like it was like this anticipation, anticipation and. The, like the, the it got deflated quick yeah, yeah. i don't know that's funny you brought that up because i felt the same way in a sense like that was a same similar like emotion roller emotional roller coaster and to tie it into the mariners it's the same uh feeling that you felt when i was there for the 18 inning game up in seattle and jeremy Payne oh. hits that it was like that same the same feeling and it, it was just uh you know for me i was like oh great they're gonna carry on the storyline and you're right dusty Rhodes would be like book uh do it this way then when we have the rematch everybody's going to be here tenfold pay money it's uh it's good i'm i'm listen i know we're, you're running out of time you got to go do your podcast i want to thank you for coming on and hopefully we can talk again talk some wrestling and uh all of that speaking of podcasts and wrestling uh, another star of wrestlemania we're going to talk to him on this this week's episode of the megacast i'll have it on there uh and um, uh, I think tomorrow uh, is uh, Dom Mysterio. I'm going to get to talk to and Dom Dominic Mysterio somehow in, in one year went from dude, he's not ready to being one of my favorite people to watch on television in that entrance and the match from throwing the drink into his sister's face to everything about it. I'm like how in one year, I don't think there's been a quicker turnaround to somebody's early like rookie year of being a wrestler than Don Mysterio. It's like he became a completely different person in the course of a year. He's right up there with Sami Zayn of just yep. where they where it's happened in one in one year and you know that's yeah. 
obviously credit to them, but also the people booking them and stuff like that. Sure. So these are all on the Odyssey app, right? So yeah, uh, yeah. Meg right here. On, and so uh, I'll definitely be checking that out. But again, this is Steve Miggs from BJ Miggs, 99.9 KISW, The Rock in Seattle, or right here on the on the Odyssey app. And uh, of course, Megacast and check you out. You know, what do you do? What's the uh, wrestling SOS? Is that, was it what POS? Yeah, wrestling? SOS is like the main Seattle promotion that I, I wrestle. Like with having a kid, like I I have a good problem to have, but I, I in a perfect world, if I didn't have any other responsibilities, like there's great promotions happening every weekend. It seems like in the Pacific Northwest from Vancouver to Seattle, all around Washington to Portland. And I've been lucky enough to wrestle at a lot of them, but I had to finally hit a point where it's like, I can't do this every weekend. But uh, SOS is definitely like my home promotion. I, I wrestle there every show uh, that's happening. Uh, so a week from today when this airs, so next Friday, uh, whatever that, the 14th or 15th, whatever date, I think it's 15th. I don't know. Uh, but uh, I'll be wrestling at that one. It's at Edison Square in Tacoma. That one to me is the perfect promotion really? to bring a non-wrestling fan to because it's there's elements of comedy they have live commentary, so that, that that helps keep you interested in what's happening in the match if you don't really understand the nuances of pro wrestling. And it's very crowd friendly. It's all that's the room where I, I walk out. They're chanting "F Steve Miggs." I play a bad guy, and they hate me. And it's 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 a it's a fun experience. If you ever wanted to yell at me, this is the perfect place to do it, where it's encouraged. Uh, but great matches too. There's great wrestlers. So it's uh, yeah, there's comedy, but it's not like they're using comedy to mask bad wrestling. It's there's comedy and it enhances also some of the great matches that are happening uh, in Portland. I wrestle at DOA a lot. I'm not going to be there this upcoming weekend because of Paw Patrol. I'm taking my kid to that, uh, but it, usually I'm there in, in, uh, at DOA in Portland every month as well. Uh, those are my main two ones. And then I still ring announce for Defy Wrestling, which is like the super indie in town. Like they're the one that flies in. I mean, their first sh show ever had Cody Rhodes on it and Shane Strickland and, you know, they continue to bring in great wrestlers, including Shane Strickland's at the this weekend's one, which I'm missing also because of Paw Patrol. Um, damn Paw Patrol and my kid getting in the way of all the fun wrestling stuff. But I, I, I typically am ring announcing and sometimes I wrestle at that promotion as well when it makes sense. Cool. Where do you get these tickets for next Friday? Because guess what? I'm going to Seattle next week. I'm coming there next Friday. Dude, that'd be badass. SOSProWrestling.com. Uh, and, okay. and just hit me up beforehand though, but let me know if you are because uh, there's a hundred can... more Mariner games to go to when I'm in town. I'm up there for a couple of weeks, so I'm coming down to the wrestling in Tacoma. That's gonna be fun. And this upcoming one, so there's been a storyline that's been going on for two years. Uh, instead of having a weapon or a manager, I had a fan, uh, he was my biggest fan, uh, as it was called on, uh, and he was obsessive Steve Miggs fan, but I made him help me cheat to win my matches. For the last two years and yeah. all he wanted was to be my fan and be my friend but you know you can't be friends with your fans so like i only i kept him at a safe distance but eventually it got to the point where i kept pissing him off and pissing him off and recently he won like what's like money in the bank but we call it the golden wilson it's a volleyball that you win like in a <laughs> battle royal kind of a thing and he won it uh and so he was able to cash it in for a title match whenever he wanted and i was the current sos champion at the time and he decided not to cash it in, but he was so pissed at me. And I think you saw that match with Kikio because he got taped up to a chair and I never helped him get out of the chair and all of this. There's a lot of backstory, two years of drama. And he handed it over to this guy, Malcolm Flex, who was kind of like my biggest rival and gave him the Golden Wilson. And Malcolm cashed it in right after I had a 20 minute match against a guy by the name of Daniel Makabe. He came in, he beat me for the title. Of course, I'm not happy with that. I took it out on my fan the next show with a chair. And now we're having a big blow off a no disqualification match, or as we call it, the Island rules match where anything goes. And that's happening at the next show between me and my biggest fan, my ex fan, as he's called now. That's great. I'll be down there, yeah. Steve, I'll let you go. So you can get on the mega cast, but thank you again for coming on. And we'll Appreciate hopefully we'll talk soon, talk some more wrestling, talk some more Mariners baseball this season. And again, check them out on 99.9 KISW in Seattle or here on the Odyssey app or on the mega cast. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Mix. Awesome. Thank you, guys. That was a lot of fun. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Rye Bread and Mustard, a Mariners podcast that you are listening to here on the Odyssey app or wherever else you're getting this podcast action from. If you're looking for this episode on YouTube today, it is not there yet. Promise to be, it'll, I promise you, it will be up there pretty soon. We're just trying to figure out if we're putting it on our 
rye bread and mustard uh, YouTube page that we're trying to grow, or it's going through another page that Odyssey is setting up for us. So just hold tight on this. We'll get this episode up here in the next day or two if you're sitting around this holiday weekend and looking for it on YouTube. It's coming. It is coming. It might be out, you know, tomorrow. Uh, we'll just have to see. Um, anyways, thanks again for liking, subscribing, and all that good stuff. And uh, and we will talk to you again Monday morning. Enjoy your holiday weekend. And go Mariners and do 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 do